Welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we begin our new curriculum for this year in the year 2022. We've waited for this moment for quite a while, the past two years, as we now begin to move into the Old Testament, the first covenant of God with the people of, of the earth, and in particular, Adam's family and Abraham's family, and learn more about Moses and King David and all these ancient uh, uh, saints of God. And it's going to be a great and joyous uh, year as we see how God uh, dealt with the people living in Old Testament times here upon the earth. What a great joy it is for me to be here again to teach and to testify of him. As we will see this year in the Old Testament, how the central focus of the Old Testament is the same central focus as the New Testament and all, all other scriptures. And that is to teach and to testify of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the son of the very eternal God of heaven and earth, that he died and was crucified for the sins of the world because of his suffering death and sacrifice on behalf of us. All mankind can repent of our sins, come unto Jesus and receive a forgiveness of our sins and return to live with him and our heavenly father in their mansions on high. What a glorious uh, day it is, another wonderful day. I hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas season. Uh, we're just wrapping up our Christmas day here today, but there's no day off in serving the Lord. I'm very happy here to end my Christmas day teaching and testifying of Jesus Christ as taught by the prophets Abraham and Moses today. We'll look at that. Uh, we saw all year that the uh, uh, all year last year, the uh, Doctrine and Covenants was the Third Testament of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that God in the Old Testament, as we, as we look at this year in Deuteronomy, said by the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word of his be established. Therefore, there needed to be more than one witness, more than just the Bible alone. That's why God brought forth the Book of Mormon to further cement his own testimony concerning his son, Jesus Christ, that Jesus indeed is his son, his only begotten son of God in the flesh. He gave us the Book of Mormon. Then he gave us the Doctrine and Covenants. Doctrine and Covenants we saw last year is incomparable to, to any uh, uncomparable scripture to others in the fact that you have there the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ speaking in almost every section all the way through that great and holy book. So what a marvelous thing that is. We are, we are not going to get as much direct speaking of God now uh, this year in the Old Testament to his prophets, but we'll see uh, how God dealt with them and some of the revelations, some of the uh, inspiration that they had received uh, from God. So it's going to be a wonderful year, and it's great to be here. And the Pearl Great Price now being, the, you know, you could say a fourth testimony, you know, even greater than his law of two or three witnesses. Here he gives a fourth witness of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This, of course, also being the third witness of the prophet uh, Joseph Smith, that indeed Joseph Smith was his mighty prophet, foreordained before the foundations of the world to come forth in these latter days to restore the full knowledge, not just the partial knowledge, not just a little bit of theology, but to reveal the fullness of the eternal everlasting gospel once again upon the earth. And we are going to be able to see that again this year as all things starting in Genesis 1-1 uh, pertains and backs up and supports the very doctrine of his church the same church that he declared more than 160 times in the Doctrine and Covenants that we read last year, that his church being the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is only true and living church upon the face of the earth is the only church that teaches biblical doctrine all the way from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22-21. It's the only church that teaches all of it. It teaches and believes all of it. We don't just take a portion of the truth. We don't just take a few verses here and there and, and exclude everything else that does not um, conform with a couple of passages that we take out of uh, context. We teach the true doctrine, Genesis 1-1, all the way through. Uh, let's look today. We're going to look at, uh, before we get to directly into the Old Testament, we're going to look at these uh, the Pearl Great Price for the first couple of weeks here. And then we'll be moving into Genesis in the Old Testament. These are records here in the Pearl Great Price of 
uh, revelations uh, received by Abraham and by Moses concerning the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, concerning the creation of the world, concerning our Heavenly Father's purposes, God's own purposes in creating the world, uh, why we're here, uh, you know, and, and all his purposes. So let's look here. We're going to begin today in uh, Moses chapter 1, uh, verses uh, uh, 1 through 3. The words of God. So here's where Moses gets caught up into the holy mount. He sees God face to face. As a man speaketh with his friend, as Genesis 33, as Exodus 33 teaches in the Old Testament. The words of God, which he spake unto Moses at a time when Moses was caught up into an exceeding high mountain. And he saw God face to face. Because why? Because God is the God of the Bible, right? God is, is a personage in which Moses as, as Exodus 33 teaches, talk to face to face. He has a body, a physical body of flesh and bone. He is not a uh, an abominable uh, immensity of space-filling uh, spirit uh, that has no body parts or passions. That is false uh, heresaical doctrine. That is non-biblical doctrine. That is non-Christian doctrine. If your ch church teaches such a doctrine, we urge you and the love of God to run as fast as way as from that church as you possibly can. Joseph Smith taught that the very first principle of the, is to have a true knowledge of God. And if you don't have a true knowledge of God, you can't even begin to understand religion. You can't even begin to learn religion. If you don't understand basics of the God you worship, the God of the Bible, you know, you, you need to get out of a situation like that. Jesus Christ himself declared that such a doctrine was an abomination in his eyes. He taught that those who profess such doctrines, that their professors and their ministers are corrupt, that they honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And so here he's speaking face to face in, in verse uh, 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 2. And he saw God face to face because he has a body of flesh and bones. And he talked with him, and the glory of God was upon Moses. Therefore Moses could endure his presence. And God spake unto Moses, saying, Behold, I am the Lord God Almighty, and endless is my name. For I am without beginning of days or end of years, and is not this endless. God has always existed in one form or another, all the way from the beginning of time to the end of time, just as we learned in the Doctrine and Covenants. Even mankind always existed as an intelligence before it became a spirit, and now we have a physical body. God, there was never a time in which God was not. There was never a time in which you are not. You have always existed as well. He is our Heavenly Father. We worship Him. We will always worship Him as our God, as the creator of our spirits, and as the creator who put into plan the formation of the world and the earth and allowed us to be able to come to the earth and take upon ourselves bodies of flesh and bones. And he says here in verse 4, And behold, thou art my son, wherefore look, and I will show thee the workmanship of my hands. But not all, for my works are without end, and also my words, for they never cease. God always creates worlds without number, one after another after another, peopling them with his spirit children, allowing them to work out their exaltation in eternal life. In verse 5, wherefore, no man can behold all my works except to behold all my glory. And no man can behold all my glory. And afterwards, remaining the flesh on the earth, it would consume them if they were to see all his mighty works and glory. In verse 6, and I have a work for thee, Moses, my son, and thou art in the similitude of mine only begotten. And my only begotten is and shall be the Savior, for he is full of grace and truth. But there is no God beside me. We do not worship any other God, but God, our eternal heavenly Father. And all things are present with me. We learned that last year in the Doctrine and Covenants as well, section 130, for example, and other places that he sees all things, past, present, and future. All things are together, are before his face. And now, behold, this one thing I show unto thee, Moses, my son, for thou art in the world, and now I show it unto thee. And it came to pass that Moses looked, 
and beheld the world upon which he was created. And Moses beheld the world in the ends thereof. He saw it all from the beginning of the earth to the end of the earth. And all the children of men which are and which were created. And of the same he greatly marveled and wondered. It was a marvelous thing to see the creation of the earth. See how God's how it manifests and testifies to God's glory. He says in the presence of God uh, uh, withdrew from Moses after seeing such a great marvelous vision. That his glory was not upon Moses, and Moses was left unto himself. And as he was left unto himself, he fell again, uh, he fell unto the earth. That often happens to a lot of us. We have moments of great spiritual experiences in our lives, and then after that, we're left back to ourselves, right? And then God once again is able to see how we, you know, how we handle that spiritual experience that we had, and whether we'll continue to remain faithful to Him. Or you know, or, you know, follow Satan and his plan, right? And so it, now we get uh, uh, it says here, and he's talking about how he lost his natural strength for a space several hours, and uh, he was humbled by this. He says here at the end of ten. Now for this cause I know that man is nothing, which thing I never had supposed anyways. But now my own eyes have beheld God. Because he has a body of flesh and bone. But not my natural, but my spiritual eyes. For my natural eyes could not have beheld. For I should have withered and died in his presence. But his glory was upon me. And I beheld his face because he has a body of flesh and bone. And I and for I was transfigured before him. And it came to pass that when Moses had said these words, what happens now, right? Here comes Satan, right? And Satan's going to come along. Son of man, worship me, right? He's been trying to get people to worship him since before the foundation of this world. Yeah, hopefully you reject him from your lives. And we're going to see Moses do that to him in just a moment. And he says, Moses, who are you? I just saw God. I saw his glory. I saw the son of God. You know, who are you? You have no glory. I just see darkness in you. And he, you know, and Satan continues to try to get him to, you know, worship him, right? And uh, in verse 18, he, Moses says, I will not cease to call upon God. I have other things to inquire him, for his glory has been upon me. Wherefore, I can judge between him and you, between him and thee, the part and Satan, right? Get out of here. Get out of my face. And that's the way we should always live our lives, whenever the moment of any darkness or evil influence comes into our life, depart. Hence, Satan, get out of here, right? We want to follow and worship the Lord, and him only shall we serve. And now when Moses had said these words, Satan cried with a loud voice. That's the same thing, remember, in the New Testament. Every time Jesus starts to cast them out of the, you know, these evil spirits from the people, they, you know, they're crying and they're jumping up and down and doing all these things, right? Satan doing the same thing. And he ranted upon the earth like a little baby, right? Cried like a little baby, saying, I am the only begotten, you know, uh, worship me, right? He's just desperate to get people to worship and follow him. And it came to pass that Moses began to fear exceedingly. And as he began to fear, he saw the bitterness of hell, the darkness that's involved. No feelings of love from God. No feelings of joy. No feelings of peace. Uh, when you go to the bitterness of hell and be shut out from the God of love and the God of peace and the God of joy. He receives his strength and he commands, saying, Depart from me, Satan. For this one God only will I worship, which is the God of glory. And now Satan began to tremble, and the earth shook. And Moses received strength and called upon God, saying, In the name of the only begotten, depart hence, Satan. And that's so again what you need to do in your lives. Anytime you get into a, a situation where there's a unholy, uh, ungodly uh, presence, you depart. Command it in the name of Jesus Christ to depart from you, and it will listen. For there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. And in his name, you can do all things. And in his name, you can cast out devils. And you can do mighty wonders and mighty miracles. And 22, and it came to pass that Satan cried with a loud voice, 
with weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The exact same thing that all these visions we saw last year in the doctrine and kind of talked about and when they saw hell, you know, and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. That's what Satan's doing here. Even from, and he departed hence, even from the presence of Moses, that he beheld him not. So Satan had to leave. He had commanded him in the name of the begotten Son of God. And now this thing, Moses bore record, but because of wickedness, it is not had among the children of man. They cut it out. This is part of the precious, plain and true, the plain and precious truths that were cut out by the wicked and abominable uh, church, as mentioned in the Book of Mormon, that, that uh, cut out many of the precious biblical truths. They cut it out for the wickedness, because why would Satan want you to know how to command him to depart from you and depart from your life and depart from your, your loved ones. Of course, he'd be willing to do anything to hide such glorious truths here. And so that's why they cut it out of the Bible. So that they couldn't go around, people couldn't go around the righteous commanding him to depart. Okay, now we go on here in uh, 24. And it came to pass that when Satan had departed from the presence of Moses, that Moses lifted up his eyes into heaven being filled with the Holy Ghost, which as you look towards God in your lives, you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll be filled with God's Spirit. You become like what you dwell and think about. If you entertain good holy thoughts and think about godly things and think about God, you will be filled with his Spirit. So he looked up to God. He gets full with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Ghost, which bear record of the Father and the Son. That's one of the main Roles of the Holy Ghost to bear testimony, to speak to your heart, to your mind, to your soul, and teach you the truths of God and of Jesus Christ, his son. And calling upon the name of God in 25, he beheld his glory again, for it was upon him. And he heard a voice saying, Blessed art thou, Moses, for I, the Almighty, have chosen thee, and thou shalt be made stronger than many waters, for they shall obey thy command as if thou wert God. Did we see that in the Old Testament? Yes, we will be seeing that in the Old Testament in Exodus, when Pharaoh will send his mighty, powerful army, the greatest army upon the earth in those days, and they'll be chasing the Israelites who were escaping from slavery in ancient Egypt, and they will start to follow them into the waters, and Moses will stand, and he'll raise his arms up to God, and the river and the and the Red Sea will part, and the Israelites will walk through on dry ground, and then Moses will once again call on those waters. They will drown Pharaoh's army. Pharaoh's army is drowned and destroyed by the power of God, through the power that God gave unto Moses to command the waters as if he were God, as it says here in the Moses. What a mighty, powerful uh, victory. What a mighty, powerful verse of scripture this is. And lo, I, God, am with thee even unto the end of thy days. For thou shalt deliver my people from bondage, even Israel, my chosen. So being told that's going to be your main role, as we're going to see in the Old Testament, to rescue the Israelites, to become their spiritual father for over 40 years in the wilderness, to receive the Ten Commandments and other of God's laws, to instruct the people, prepare them to enter into their promised land. And he says here in 27, and it came to pass, as the voice was still speaking, Moses cast his eyes and beheld the earth, yea, even all of it. And there was not a particle of it which he did not behold, discerning it by the Spirit of God. And he beheld also the inhabitants thereof, and there was not a soul which he beheld not. And he discerned them by the Spirit of God, and their numbers were great, even numberless as the sand upon the seashore. And he beheld many lands. Here we go. Watch this. We're getting some advanced doctrine here. And he beheld many lands, and each land was called earth. And there were inhabitants upon the face thereof. He saw not only this earth, but he saw God's universe. And he saw many lands, many earths that had inhabitants upon them. And now watch this. In, in verse 30, and it came to pass that Moses called upon God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, why these things are so? Why did you make all these planets with people? And he beheld, and the glory of the Lord was upon Moses 
so that Moses stood in the presence of God, seeing him because he has a body of flesh and bones and is not the false doctrine of the false Christian creeds. So Moses stood in the presence of God and talked with him face to face. And the Lord God said unto Moses, for mine own purpose have I made these things. Here is wisdom and it remaineth in me. You're not ready for this yet, Moses, nor does it matter to you. You need to always focus in your lives upon the plain and precious truths of God. Don't worry how many angels can stand on a needle. Don't, don't worry about all these uh, the things that are unimportant to you and to your salvation and to the, your family's salvation. And by the word of my power have I created him, which is mine only begotten son, who is full of grace and truth. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? He didn't say Jesus Christ here, right? He says by his only begotten son did he create these lands, right? These earths by his only begotten son. Right? And worlds without number have I created, and I also created them for mine own purpose. And by who? The son, right? The son on each of these planets, each of these earths. By my son, create I them, which is mine only begotten. No mention Jesus Christ here, right? Jesus Christ here for our earth, through Jesus Christ, he created this earth. Jesus Christ is our Lord, our God, our Redeemer, our Savior. He rescued us from the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve. He's done all these wonderful things, right? And then he says here in 34, And the first man of all men have I called Adam. Is there one Adam? He says here, which is many, right? Each of these planets is Brigham Young top. Has an Adam and Eve. Each of them have a Satan. Maybe not one third fall off, you know, and then from the presence of God on, on that earth. Maybe it's one fourth or one fifth or one half or whatever the case may be. But, you know, the fact that one third rebelled against God, you know, in regards to our earth. You know, obviously there would be a number and uh, a number that would fall away on these other earths as well. Satan says, uh, you know, uh, that he's only doing that which has been done on other earths, right? So, and that's what uh, what what, what he, so each planet, Adam and Eve, each has a tempter, a Satan. Each has a only begotten Son of God who rescues them from the fall of their Adam. And, and and labels them to repent and receive forgiveness based upon the crucifixion and the atonement of this only begotten Son of God, right? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, but uh, he says here, only in account of this earth, including the information about Jesus Christ, and inhabitants thereof give I unto you. For behold, there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power, and there are many that now stand, and innumerable they unto man, but all things are numbered unto me, for they are mine, and I know them. And it came to pass that Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Be, more, be merciful unto thy servant, O God, and tell me concerning this earth. So go ahead, tell me, you know, that's okay. Just tell me about this earth then. I'll be happy about that, and the inhabitants thereof, and also the heavens, then thy servant will be content. And the Lord God spake unto Moses, saying, The heavens, they are many, and they cannot be numbered unto man, but they are numbered unto me, for they are mine. All one needs to do is look at that ancient uh, Christian book, uh, Second Jew, in which Jesus Christ talks about all these ancient, all these other heavens and how to get there, and they have the cryptograms that declare the uh, different uh, instructions that you would need different keywords and so forth to bypass the, uh, the the angels of those and go forward and forth. So lots and lots of stuff about that. But again, it comes right back to let's just focus for, for you on your earth, the heavens that belong to your uh, earth, to your Savior, the G uh, Jesus Christ, and, and these sort of things. He says this, one earth shall pass away in the heavens thereof, even so shall another come. And there is no end to my works, neither to my word. When this earth passes away and the earth becomes a sanctified celestial globe, a sea of glass, all these great uh, 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 
words and mentioned in the scriptures, then God will create another one, right? There's no end to my works, neither to my words. For behold, this is my work and my glory, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. What I live for, God says, is to create and take as many intelligences as I can, turn them into spiritual children of mine, provide a place for them and earth for them to go down on and to work out their exaltation and, and eternal life. And now, Moses, my son, I speak unto thee concerning this earth upon which thou standest, and thou shalt write the things which I shall speak. And in the day when the children of man shall esteem my words as not, and take many of them from the book which thou shalt write, Book of Mormon talks extensively that the great and abominable church took out many of these great precious truths from the Bible, so we're left with not the fullness of the truth. The thing, A lot of the things in the Bible are true, but it's not the fullness of the truth. That's why we had to get the doctrine of chemists restored and the Book of Mormon and the Pearl Great Price and all these things to restore the complete knowledge of God so we know all things that he wants us to, to know, to fully comprehend him, to uh, understand his glory, to know what kind of God we worship, to, to understand better the things that are written in the Bible. So, and so, I will raise up another like unto thee, the prophet Joseph Smith, and they shall be had once again among the children of men, as among as many as shall believe. You have to believe, right? He that doesn't believe from him shall even be taken away that which he has already received. To those who believe, more shall be added upon their head. And if you're not satisfied reading the Bible, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine of Covenant and Pro Great Price, four great uh, books of scripture, then through personal revelation and prayer, he has promised that you can receive line upon line, precept upon precept, until you can know all things that he's willing to, that, that you can, uh, all things that you're able to comprehend and understand, and that he's willing to allow you to know. Okay, so great uh, first uh, chapter here of the great uh, prophet Moses that we're going to be and learning a lot more about as we move on in the Old Testament to uh, to the book of Exodus. Now we get our great friend Abraham, another mighty prophet of God, here in chapter 3. Okay, so here we got Abraham chapter 3. We'll look at first verse 1 through 4. And I, Abraham, had the Urim and the Thummim, the lights and the perfections, this ancient great device before modern technology existed in which God created for his prophets to learn many great things and to see many wonderful revelations, to see the universe, to see all his mighty works. And verse 2, And I saw the stars, that they were very great, and that one of them was nearest unto the throne of God. And there were many great ones who were near unto it. And the Lord said unto me, These are the governing ones. And the name of the great one is Kolob, because it is near unto me. And does it say that God lives on Kolob? No, it doesn't. He just simply said that the star nearest to him is a great star, and that his name is Kolob. There are some anti-Christians who hate God and hate Jesus Christ and love Satan more than they love the Lord, and want to serve Satan more than they want to serve the Lord, in which they'll say ridiculous things to try to sensationalize things, and they'll try to claim that members of Jesus Christ Church believe that God lives on the planet Kolob. First of all, it doesn't say that Kolob is a planet. It says that Kolob is a star. Second of all, it doesn't say that God lives on, on Kolob, on the star. It says that this star is nearest to the throne of God. Wherever the throne of God is and whatever exactly it is, it's not Kolob. It's not a star, and God does not live on Kolob. Anyone who says that members of the Jesus Christ Church <laughs> believes that God lives on Kolob, they're making a ridiculous, false uh, uh, um, accusation. They know it's not right. They know they're lying. We know that, the, that Satan is the father of all lies. And so who are they serving when they're telling lies, when they're accusing Jesus Christ himself and his church, the same church he declared over 160 times to be his true church, when they make up false beliefs of, of that uh, church, they're serving Satan, right? They're lying. 
the fa their father is Satan, the liar from the beginning, as, as Jesus said. Okay, I have set this one, Kolob, to govern all of those which belong to the same order as that upon which thou standest. It governs all the other stars uh, in, according to the order in which we, the planet Earth and the sun and the moon and the Jupiter and the Mars and so forth, that belong to. And the Lord said unto me by the Urim and Thummim that Kolob was after the manner of the Lord according to his times and seasons and the revolutions thereof. That one revolution was a day unto the Lord after his manner of reckoning. It being 1,000 years according to the time appointed unto that whereon thou standest. This is the reckoning of the Lord's time according to the reckoning of Kolob. And we see that in 2 Peter 3.8, where Peter said one day to God is though a thousand years on the earth. Well, same time because it exists closest to the God's throne. Therefore, it's on the same time frame that God is that one day for on Kolob or one day wherever the throne of God is, whatever exactly it is, one day for God or on the planet Kolob, which is two separate places in time and space, that, that one day is though a thousand years upon the earth. We might learn a mighty doctrine here, don't we? Who's the only one that possesses such beautiful doctrine? Jesus Christ Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The only one. No one even knows. None of these other Christians who claim to be Christians, who claim to worship Jesus Christ, who claim to believe in the Bible, none of them even heard of this doctrine. Those who do, you know, go out and spread false, false twist it. And, and, and falsify it and, and make it uh, sound sensational and make it say false things, right? But the world, the whole, the whole, all those, the majority of Christians out there, the good and faithful people who think they're Christians, they don't even know about this wonderful doctrine that's being taught here. 11 through 12. Thus, I, Abraham, talked with the Lord face to face. Interesting, right? Moses talked to God face to face. Abraham talked to God face to face because he has a body of flesh and bones. He is, he is not a false god that does not have a body, does not have parts, does not have passions. That is what these so-called Christian creeds teach. The problem is these creeds were written in the 4th century, the 5th century, and so forth, A.D., three, 400 years after the Bible was written. They're not based on the Bible. They're not taught in the Bible. The Bible, they're not taught in the Bible. They're written three to 400 years after the Bible was written, after the apostles and prophets were killed off. There was no one on the earth at that time who could receive revelation from God as to God's characteristics and what kind of body God has. So they did the best they could to try to philosophize and try to... Uh, uh, reason among each other to try to figure these things out without revelation from God, without prophets and apostles on the earth. And that's why they come up with such false doctrine. The very doctrine that Jesus Christ himself said is an abomination in his eyes. So we got uh, Abraham talking with the Lord face to face as one man talketh with another. And he told me of the works with his, which his hands have made. And he said unto me, my son, my son. And his hand was stretched out. God has a hand. <laughs> right? But a lot of people, unfortunately, believe this false doctrine that God does not have a body. God does not have a hand. That is false doctrine. It is not biblical. It is not biblical doctrine. Biblical doctrine, God has a body of flesh and bones. It's taught all the way from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Revelation. Uh, chapter 22, it goes on and on, over and over and over again about it. He says here, so he, he stretched out his hand, and behold, I will show you all these things. He puts his hand upon my eyes. Interesting, right? That's what we get in Luke, in Luke 24, right? Jesus appears after, the, after having risen, risen from the dead. They, he enters the room where the apostles are gathered, and they're all scared, thinking they never seen a spirit. And he says, don't be afraid. A spirit hath not, does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. But feel me, feel my body, and know 
that I have a body of flesh and bones. That's what the Bible teaches, not the false apostate uh, Christian creeds. They don't teach that. They teach an opposite thing than what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches Jesus Christ has a body of flesh and bones. Here again, we get it again that he has a, he can touch you, right? He can touch you. Here, God is reaching out and touching Abraham's eyes with a body, flesh and bones. And I saw those things which his hands had made, which were many. And they multiplied before my eyes, and I could not see the end thereof. Look at 15. And the Lord said unto me, Abraham, I show these things unto thee before you go into Egypt, that you may declare all these words. So he's going to go into Egypt, and he's going to teach Pharaoh and his household all these things about the stars. And that's where they come up with these, uh, the, the, with the pyramid text and the coffin text. And all these things, and the hypocephalus, and the you know, and they, they put behind their head when they died, you know, the uh, the map, you know, and the keywords, and the and the symbols, and the uh, you know, all these uh, the signs that they need to then show to their gods to pass by to enter the presence of their head god. Right? It got corrupted over the years. What the Egyptians believed from what Abraham first taught them, but the evidence that the ancient Egyptians were teaching these things that are found only in the scriptures, you know, seemed to indicate that uh, that Abraham indeed did did do what God told him to do and go and teach Pharaoh in ancient Egypt. Okay, now let's look at eighteen through nineteen. How bet that he made the greater star is also if there be two spirits. So if there's two spirits, one is always more intelligent than the other. Notwithstanding, more is one intelligent than the other, have no beginning. Spirits never had a beginning. They always existed forever and ever, ever as intelligences. We learned about this last year in the Doctrine Comes. They were intelligences. Then God created them into spirits, but they never had a beginning. They shall never be, they shall never have an end. They are nolam or meaning eternal. And the Lord said unto me, these two facts exist, that there are two spirits, one being more intelligent than the other, there shall be another more intelligent than they. Until you come to me, I am the Lord thy God, I am more intelligent than they all. We learned last year in the Doctrine Comes that the glory of God is intelligence. Ultimately, the reason that God is God and we're not is he's far more intelligent than we are. So one in spirit is always more intelligent than the other. Until you come to God, he's more intelligent than all of us. Okay, now we'll look at 21 through 28. And now God is saying here that uh, he dwells in the midst of all of us. I now, therefore, have come down unto thee to declare unto thee the works which my hands have made wherein my wisdom excelleth them all. For I rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath and all wisdom and prudence over all the intelligence that eyes have seen from the beginning. I came down in the beginning in the midst of all the intelligences thou hast seen. Now the Lord had shown unto me Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was. And among all these, there were many of the noble and great ones. And God saw these souls that they were good. They were told. They were good. And he stood in the midst of them and he said, These I will make my rulers. For he stood among those that were spirits and he saw that they were good. And he said unto me, Abraham, you, you are one of them. I chose you from before you were born to be one of my rulers. And there stood one among them that I saw. That was like unto God. He was glorious in, in person. He looked like God. He acted like God. And he said unto those who were with him, we will go down for there's space there and we'll create an earth wherein these may dwell and be were and, and look at 25. Where, and we will prove them herewith to say if they will do all things whatsoever their Lord their God shall command them. So, we're going to create an earth where they can go down and be tested as to prove to who. We will prove them, right? Not prove to ourselves. 
We already know, right? God, God, God doesn't sit in the heavens thinking, gee, I wonder if Johnny is going to, uh, you know, sin today when he's presented with, you know, X situation, right? Just like you, when when you have children, you know, you know how your kids behave in certain certain circumstances. And we have very limited knowledge compared to what God has. So if you know all things, you know how your children are going to behave in every circumstance in which you can possibly place them, right? So this is not proving to God as if God doesn't know. God doesn't know whether you're going to keep the commandments or not. After all, how was Jesus paid the price for your sins if he didn't already know beforehand what sins you were going to commit, right? We don't want to have to have him get back up on the cross and suffer again because now he ended up committing a sin he didn't think you were going to commit, right? God knows all things. God knows the sins you're going to commit. He knows how you're going to act in the different circumstances in which you are placed. But so who are we proving here? Prove them. Prove them to themselves, right? We will provide a place so that they will prove to themselves whether they will keep and do all things whatsoever the Lord God shall command them. The whole purpose of earth life is to prove to ourselves so that we know whether we would keep his commandments or not outside of his presence. That way, a just God is just, right? In the day of judgment, he can't come up to us in the day of judgment and say, well, I condemn you to hell because you know, if I had sent you to the earth, you would have done X, Y, and Z. You would have committed this sin, this sin, and this sin. Therefore, I'm condemning you to hell. No, that would not be a just God. A just God gives the people a chance to prove to themselves whether they would keep his commandments or not, whether they would reject them from their lives or not, or whether they would accept Jesus Christ as their Savior or not. So that's the purpose of the earth life, not to Prove to God whether we're going to keep his commandments or not. He knows who of, who of us is going to remain faithful and keep his commandments and accept his gospel plan. He knows that with 100% surety. But being a just God, he has sent us here to go forth to prove to ourselves so that we can stand in the day of judgment having rejected the Lord and say, I understand, God, your ways are just. I indeed did reject uh, Jesus from my life. I am therefore subject to whatever penalty you would impose upon me. That's the, the, the justice of God. So he knows what we're going to do. So he sent us here to prove to ourselves whether we're going to keep his commandments or not. And he says here in the great blessing here in 26, and they who keep their first estate shall be added upon. Those who were faithful to him in this spirit world before they were born upon the earth shall be added upon themselves this glory of coming and receiving a physical body. All of those now born on the earth will receive a physical body and will resurrect thanks to the death and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will all resurrect with this body of flesh and bones. The question is, are we going to get, as Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 15, the body of the of the sun, the body of the moon, or the body of the stars in terms of the glory of our resurrected bodies? But we will have a resurrected body of flesh and bones. Because we were faithful in this first estate, we came to the earth and received the blessing of forever having a body of flesh and bones, which is such a glorious blessing that we see throughout scriptures that Satan is always trying to obtain uh, bodies uh, just to even have a body. That's why he's always trying to possess pe people and all these uh, sort of things. He was denied the opportunity to have a body. That's something everyone born on this earth has received for an in internal inheritance of, of a resurrected body of flesh and bones. And so now we are talking about Satan. Now we come back to Satan here. And he's Abraham seen this vision. And the Lord said, whom shall I send? Who will go forth and be the Lord and Redeemer of the human race? Who will suffer and bleed at every port? Who will allow the Romans and the Jewish leaders to spit on them, to beat them, to mock them, to place a crown of thorns into their head, to cause it to bleed, to, to strip you uh, naked and hang you upon a cross as though you were a low-life criminal? Uh, who will go and do that for the sins of the world? And he says, and one answered like unto the Son of Man. He sees Jesus Christ here in glory and vision. Here am I, Father. 
Send me, I will go, I will do all things which thou will command me. And at the same time, then he, he sees another one. Uh, here am I, send me. And another answered and said, here am I, send me. And the Lord said, I will send the first. So Satan stands up. We learn from other revelations, other scriptures, that Satan basically says to God, your plan is terrible. I'm more intelligent than you, God. I'm smarter than you. I have a better plan. I'm going to make sure that no one is lost. I'm going to enforce them. I'm going to take away their free agency, their free will. I'm going to force them to obey. I will bring them all back uh, into the heavenly place. Now, as a result, since my plan is better than yours, get up off that throne. Let me sit on the throne. You give me to be God and take away your powers. You sit. A, you step aside. I will be God. I will be better than you. And so God says, I will send the first. I will send the one willing to obey me, the Lord Jesus Christ, and not the one willing to rebel against me, the devil, the Satan, the red, the dragon, as mentioned in Revelation. This becomes a Revelation chapter 12, in which Satan then leads a war in heaven. He's cast down to the earth with one third of the all the spirits of the heavenly fathers, the, the, all the one third of the, the, the spirits of the children of, of the spiritual children of God are then cast down with Satan unto the earth due to this rebellion in which they thought they could overcome and overthrow God and, and place themselves to be God. What a mighty, wonderful way to begin our year in 2022 and this great revel, these great revelations of Moses and Abraham, great prophets of God. We're going to learn much more about them in the coming weeks. Again, the plan of the eternal God, how mighty and wonderful it is, how it allows all mankind to have that free will, that free agency to make up their own minds, whether they will obey God or not, whether they will accept him into their lives or reject him, whether they will honor him or rebel against him, knowing that you will one day face the Heavenly Father face to face at the eternal judgment day, and you'll be judged according to your works, as the Bible says, whether they were good, whether they were evil, whether you accepted Jesus Christ, whether you accepted and became a member of his church and kingdom or not. Because again, the basic, the basic common sense would say, if you're not willing to accept Jesus Christ fully, here on the earth. If you're not willing to accept his church and kingdom and become a part of it, why would you want to even become a member of his kingdom in the heavens? You don't want to become a member of his kingdom upon the earth? Why would you become a member of his kingdom in, in heaven? It makes no sense, right? If you truly want to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ, truly want to accept him, truly want to enter his heavenly kingdom, you will be more than grateful and happy and joyous to join his church and kingdom upon the earth. And his invitation is on and to all mankind, regardless of your nationality, your race, wherever you may be, whatever person you may be, wherever you came from, whoever your parents were, your grandparents, it doesn't matter. His invitation is to all come, come unto him, come unto Jesus. Let him wrap his arms around you. Let him welcome you into his eternal kingdom. Let him become a member of his church, a member of his kingdom upon the earth. His church is the kingdom. His church is the bridegroom. He will marry his church and kingdom when he comes back for the second time in his glorious second coming. Become a member. I leave in the description of this video a link. You just need to click on that link, reach out to the missionaries, let them know you're ready and willing and happy to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ, to become a member of his church and kingdom, to become a Christian by taking upon you his name. His name is only being able to be taken upon by being baptized by those who hold the priest and authority of God in the waters of baptism. Immersion, representing the death of burial, resurrection, Jesus Christ, as you go underneath and come back out as a resurrected, as a resurrected symbolic of Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection. If you haven't been death, 
burial, and resurrection with Jesus Christ, you have not been baptized. If you've received this, but not from those who have the priest and authority of God, you have not been baptized. We saw that chapter last year in the Doctrine Council with Jesus Christ said, if you have baptized a hundred times, it doesn't matter. If it's not without the without the authority of those who hold the priesthood, it doesn't matter whether you're baptized a hundred times, a thousand, a million times. That baptism is not valid for entering the kingdom of God, or from receiving forgiveness of your sins. That's why it's important that we get baptized by those who hold the priest and authority of God. Jesus Christ declared more than 160 times in the Doctrine and Covenants that priest and authority of God is only held by the faithful elders in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and is not held by any other church or organization upon the earth. That is true. That is gospel doctrine. That is gospel truth. That is biblical truth. That is the truth of the very eternal God of heaven and earth. We invite you. Reach out to the missionaries. Let them welcome you unto Jesus Christ Church. Those of you fallen in inactivity in the church, we stand wide open arms to welcome you back. Welcome you back into full communion, full fellowship with the saints. With the saints of God, there's so many wicked people now upon the earth. Why would you want to dwell with wicked people where there's misery and, and gnashing and wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? In preparation for, for the suffering that they'll have for, eterna, for, a, for the eternities to come. Reject that to get out of that. Come out of Babylon, as the scriptures say. Come into his church and kingdom, or you can worship with fellow saints of God. That will bring you joy. That will bring you peace. That will bring you happiness. So we welcome you back. I leave my testimony with you as to the truthfulness of these things. And oh, how I love Heavenly Father and his great eternal plan for us. How I love the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, his willingness to come and be obedient to every word of God to suffer, to bleed from every poor, to die for our sins. We will, I will forever be grateful to him for that. There's no greater joy and happiness comes into my life than to be able to go forth throughout the world to testify of him, for he lives today. He is as real as, and alive as though you see the sun shining. He is alive today. He sits at the heavenly Father's right hand in heavenly splendor and glory and my, what a glorious vision that's going to be uh, one day for those of you who will one day be able to see such a beautiful scene, to be able to see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Nothing greater than that will ever occur to you in your eternal existences. I leave my witness with you. I leave my blessing with you as we begin this year, 2022, that God will bless you with all things you need this year to get through, to be comfortable in your lives, that you will have food to eat, that you have a safe shelter overhead, that you will have many opportunities to see his mighty wonders, his mighty miracles poured out on behalf of you in your lives, that you can know that you are a child of the Most High God. Of these things I testify as one of his humble servants. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.